Dave's Psych Lectures, part of the Thunderbird 6 Podcasting Network. Uh, today's kind of a weird topic. So we said to talk about this. Uh, we might also do that first thing. But um, hierarchical also variance is something we'll talk about today that is something that um, I hate. <laughs> and you'll see why probably... Sorry. That's okay, as long as it wasn't something bad happening. Okay, that's fine. Usually all of our factors, the independent variables, are crossed with each other. They're all, every level of A occurs with every level of B. Every level of A occurs with B, occurs with C, or, you know, that kind of thing. In fact, that's, right now you're probably trying to think, how the hell could I have a design when that wasn't the case? Right, so each level of A occurs with each level of B. And this is a, a standard thing. We haven't even discussed it so far, because frankly, it's just is the way the world almost always works. And I'm not talking about subjects, of course. They're almost, they're very often nested. If you have between subjects factors, subjects are nested within between factors. So subjects within, well, last quote, subjects within AB, for example. So fine. I'm not talking about uh, the subject factor. I'm talking about other independent, you know, real independent variables. Subjects are kind of a pseudo factor. Sometimes, however, the world is different than this. In a world... Variables are nested within other variables. One man has the courage to analyze the data. Let's look at this. This is a real experiment, actually. Um, we have drugs and hospitals. These are for uh, burn survivors. Um, and these are painkilling drugs. Okay. Now, to do this properly, I would like to have all six drugs. That's what B is. And I would like to have all three hospitals cross with each other. I would like each drug, all six of them, to be used in every hospital. Uh, this actually was a, an experiment that a friend of mine consulted. So I know this is a real thing. It was done in Toronto in the late 1980s. Uh, there's a couple of reasons here. There aren't staff to give six drugs. You've got to train people to give six different drugs. So it's a, it's a question of staffing in the three hospitals. It's also, frankly, happily, a question of there aren't enough burn victims. There's not enough subjects, okay? So we've got, and that's a happy problem. Or burn survivors is the more term people, I think, is probably a little more appropriate. Whatever. So practically, what you have to do is give a couple of drugs within each hospital. So drugs one and two are in hospital one, drugs three and four are in hospital two, and drugs five and six are done in hospital three. Okay. Um, we have different uh, subjects uh, in each group, different uh, word survivors. Now, you might say, well, why don't you just go one way over and ignore hospital? Well, that's a little bit dishonest, frankly. You do have, hospitals are different. The staffs are different. The procedures are somewhat different. The food may even be different. And these, all these things could somehow affect the result. So I want to have the variance do the hospital somewhere in my model. I don't want to take that out. Right? Frankly, what if hospital is what's actually causing the difference between the drug effects? What if it's got nothing to do with the drugs? So we have to put hospital in. The problem is we don't have hospital cross with drug. 
because it was impractical and impossible for them. Okay? You understand the design and the, the, the reasons why you would do this? So there would be no interaction between... No, there can't be, because we can't know. That would go into the air. If there was one, that's where it would end up, yeah. So drugs are nested within hospital, even in H. <coughs> so yeah, Michael's right. If there were any interaction, it would be like drug by hospital, which, yeah, that could happen. And ideally, we have six drugs and three hospitals, and they'd be crossed, you know? But if there is one, it's going to end up in the... It's sort of going to end up in the air term, as we'll see in a second. It's not completely going to end up there. Uh, these are five people per group, by the way. And as I said, this is a real experiment that was done. I know this was done. My friend Todd consulted on this experiment. And they originally were not going to take the hospitals into account. And he said, you kind of have to, because of the reasons I just outlined. But, you know, we've got three different... Hospitals, we've kind of got to take that into account. Every hospital is a little bit different. We've got different staff. If you do go to graduate school, there is a way, if you're, any good, if you're good at statistics and research design, you can actually make a little bit of pocket money by consulting on, on, on data analysis. Because usually they're really easy questions, and you know the answer, and you go, okay, give me 500 bucks. It's actually not so bad. I analyzed data for somebody's anthropology experiment on sex and bonobos. That was kind of cool. I wrote a little report for her. That was a couple hundred bucks. I had Charlie's graduate student charge her money. It took me 45 minutes. I did a chi-squared for her and wrote it up. And then her dad calls me. Why didn't you use a t-test? I said, because it's inappropriate. He said, well, I'm a medical doctor. I said, I'm a postdoctoral fellow. I teach statistics. Well, you should use a t-test. I said, how exactly would we use a t-test? And he's like on the phone, well, you, you usually use t-tests. No, you don't. So that was fun. Uh, there's another one, and I'll tell you about it later, uh, when, we get to when we get to the world's worst possible problem, which we'll probably talk in statistics. We're not talking about hunger and you know, nuclear weapons. It's a bad statistic. So this is the issue here. What we end up with then is, just what you probably expect this, we're going to get hospitals. That's easy. And we're, this is the final sort of story of the order. If we have hierarchical designs, so nested variables, we start with the top of the hierarchy. So hospitals go first. Hospitals minus one. We have two degrees of freedom. Why is hospital at the top? Uh, because there's, everything is within hospital. Okay. Right? So it's at the top. You can look down from, from each hospital and see if, if you look up, you don't know that there's other hospitals or other drugs. I sort of think of it that way. It's like the factors looking up or down. I don't know if that helps at all, but I will sort of visualize that one. So we got hospitals, which has two degrees of freedom. We got drugs within hospital, which has D minus one, right? And we got within each, you gotta remember this, within each hospital, there are two drugs. So two minus one times three hospitals. So we have three degrees of freedom for drugs within hospital. And then we get this weird term that says subjects within drugs by hospital. And you're saying, but there is no drug by hospital interaction, as Michael pointed out. Well, there actually is one, we just can't measure it. But that's what the term is. It's not subjects within drugs within hospital. Okay? And this is N minus one, so that's gonna be <coughs> that's five per group. Because that's four, 
right? Times two times three. And again, why is it two? It's because there's two drugs in each hospital. That's right. And we're going to test the hospital effect, which would be an interesting thing to find out. Maybe just the hospitals are different. We're going to test that both of these with subjects by drugs, subjects with drugs by hospital, with that error. Drug. So there are cases when this is useful. There are times when the world conspires against you. Uh, Fisher, who developed an alcivariance, called these split plot designs. And he called them that because he would have, uh, he was most, he was a lot of the stuff he was interested in analyzing was with plants. And he would have them in uh, these plots of land. And he wanted to use the plots of land as a variable. And he said, you know, within, you know, so that's where the within term comes from as well. So he'd say, you know, Species within plot, because you have plot one, plot two, plot three, because different soil, things like that. So this often happens in sort of for practical reasons, for reasons that like field experiments, these kind of things. And that's what this in essence is. There's no other way to do to really well, there is a way, and it's ignoring this, and that's not right. There's probably significant variance to the hospital, I would imagine. You would think, right? You look very troubled. Well, I'm just trying to think. We're dividing by an error term. Yeah. It seems like it's between subjects, right? Like, yeah. It seems like it, yeah. Yeah. Drugs are kind of, like, the hospital's almost, it's almost like halfway between... But it's a fixed factor, basically. We, we know what we're doing. Uh, is hospital a fixed factor? But we, I, I know, I know. We're going to analyze it like that. We're going to analyze it like that, but that's one of the problems here. Is hospital really a fixed factor? Uh, you can't say subjects. You can't measure it beforehand. But. No, and that's the, one of the problems here. And if it actually is a random factor, we, there is no error term for hospital in this. So wait a second. Maybe drugs by hospital might be... Uh, actually, yeah, you could test the hospital effect with drugs by hospital if you assume hospitals a, a, a random factor. Would you have to calculate anything else and would the error come out of would it come out of the, the error? Uh, would you still use No, I think you'd be fine there. Okay. You'd probably be fine. But it is a question. Is hospital a random factor or a fixed factor? And I don't know the answer here. I don't think anyone could. No, my, my feeling is it's actually a random factor. See, my thing would be that more of a fixed factor. And, and I think we, we could both make completely tenable uh, arguments. Right? Because hospitals in this case are like subjects. I'm viewing it that way. We're picking the hospitals. So yeah, see. we're picking them. We also pick the subjects. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but I also see your end of the argument. So, in fact, it's hard to, to, to figure out is this a fixed or random factor. And this is, like I said, this is one of these things. I, uh, these are bad. A friend of mine did this on his honors thesis, unfortunately, by mistake. Um, he, this was when I was, I guess he was in, was he here behind me? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and he um, emailed me, and uh, he said, what are, what are nested factors? And I, I explained what they were, and I thought, why would he want to know about that? I was a grad school, first year, and I learned to learn about this stuff. 
And he said, apparently my honors thesis is full of them. So why didn't you check with your supervisor first? So, which you should have done. Um, but I, apparently he went to a grad student at Western, because he was Western, and said, how do I analyze my data? And I went, oh, you've got missing factors. And he went, well, what does that mean? He did okay. He's a, she became one of the vice presidents of a little telecommunication company called TELUS. He actually quit on, he got, you know, you know about office space? Who knew the office space? My friend, who I won't name, did this. He actually decided he wanted to get fired because they were giving, they were getting rid of, they were downsizing. And he was a vice, an executive vice president. He was making decent, you know, pretty decent money. But he didn't want to work there anymore. Didn't like the big corporate kind of thing. And he knew they were getting rid of people and giving him really big severance packages, a couple of years' salary just to go away. So he started showing up for, you know, at a big, important company, wearing T-shirts, jeans with holes in them. He stopped shaving. And he eventually, after a couple of weeks, said, you think you might want to take one of these severance packages? He said, yeah, I think I might. <laughs> so it's very clever. You know? So it's like office space. And only my friend, Blank, would do such a thing. He's very clever. He's a very clever guy. So, my point is, is, is well taken. I don't know if hospital is a fixed random factor. I honestly have no clue. And you can make an argument either way. Um, here's an example. And, she's that was good. I don't know what these are. Now we're just going to use A's, B's, and C's. <laughs> I, I, I can't, it's hard for me to think of any example because I would think, no, I wouldn't do the experiment that way. Whereas, like, that was a real one. So, here we have... A, B, C. This actually looks a lot like what we had before. Uh, I'm saying A equals 3 so we can do the, the degrees of freedom math here. This is a, a case where we've got something very strange. We've got nested factors, right? So we have nesting and within subject variable. So Yeats order is your friend. You can actually do this. This isn't that hard. You just have to get between subjects within, and the first thing you have to do is get the, 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 the betweens, and any nesting that happens with them, that's the top of the, of the order, there's a top of the hierarchy, within the second level, then the subjects, so between subjects men. I want to implore you to avoid these designs like the plague. So if you, ever, if you end up doing any kind of research in your life, your thesis, whatever, you go on to grad school, anything, you go work as a consultant somewhere doing statistics for some medical research company, I don't care, tell them to avoid this. That's uh, since it should be a space that order is. <clears throat> All right. So we start with A because it's the top of the hierarchy. So I have A minus 1 degrees for you, that's it. The next thing we list is B within A. Because there are different levels of B within each level of A. B minus 1 times A. Now the subjects are within AB interactions. And again, the subjects, when they are looking up, don't know that there are other levels of A and B. They look up and say, oh, I see over here that there's two levels of A, and then there's a level of B at the top. I'm in an A-B interaction. I don't know about what's happening over here. <coughs> so 
first three are actually, so it's just, this, these are between factors. So you get A, B within A, and S within AB. Then we got a within factor, C, C by A, C by B within A, C by S within AB. And how do I get the rest of these? C by A, right? C by B within A, C by S within AB. You can sort of always tell when you've done these properly because they have this kind of Christmas tree shape, right? Because they're always going to get bigger than you add another one and it's going to get bigger. So if it doesn't kind of have that kind of geometry to it, usually it's maybe a mistake somewhere. For error terms, it's the same old rule. Let's look below the term we have and find out the one that has S in it and what we're interested in. Well, A has subjects within AB. B within A has subjects within AB. That's good. C, which one was C and subjects? There it is. And there, and there. This is where you can make, the hardest part about this sometimes almost is the degrees of freedom because you have to always remember how many levels of, say, B are there within A. That's the hard part. <coughs> so, again, it's unlikely you're going to get the total number right without doing it properly. Right? So you know, we have 24 observations, because it's three per group, only had eight groups, or eight cells, sorry. Um, so it's 24, so we have 23 degrees of freedom. And one and two is three, and eight's 11, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15, and eight's 23. Probably get it right. Probably get it right. You should actually be able to go the other way, like we just did on the quiz. Right? Now, this one doesn't have any nesting. Right? This isn't a, a hierarchical one. This is just as an example of something you might see. And you just saw one on the, on the quiz that was similar to this. So we've got B, S within B, A, B by A, and B by S within B. But don't worry about the subjects right now, because doing sort of backwards Yates order is going to tell us where the subjects live. And what's a between, what's a subjects, and what's a within. Well, the between has got to be B. Right? Because it's above the first subjects term. And also, subjects within B. There's two pieces of evidence that B must be a between subjects factor. And then A has got to be a within subjects factor. And how many subjects are there per group? Take a look. Subjects within B equals 9. So that's all you do. So I can, you know what? I can go back and we can do it. You want to do that one? Does it work? Yeah, let's do that. Sure. I thought I forgot that the next slide didn't have it. Uh, I'm going to do it here. And I'm going to have to kill that projector for a moment. But it's only fair because it seems to me that this side of the room doesn't get the board action as much. So we got B has three levels because it's got two degrees of freedom. So let's just do this. Good. A, is there any nesting besides the subjects? Well, no, we don't see A within B or anything like that. So we know that A is crossed with B. That makes drawing this out much easier. There are three levels of A because it has two degrees of freedom. 
We know that B is a between factor because it is listed first, but also because subjects, because? Also because subjects are nested within B. Right? So we know that different subjects have different levels of B. But every subject gets every level of A. It's a within factor. So 1, 1, 1, 2, 2, 2. Okay. Now, the total number of observations. There's a few, or number of, uh, well, let's, you can do it that way. So we're going to find the number of observations per cell. We need total number of observations, 36. There are 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. There are 9 cells. 36 divided by 9 is 4. Oh, there are 4 subjects per group. So all you have to do is just draw it, and you know what you can do now? If you, these are great ways to study, by the way. You, you just make one up and then go this way and then go back the other way. So put that one aside for half an hour and do it again. And it should look just like that. And if it doesn't look just like that, somewhere along the way, one, you must have made a mistake. So one, and also one, oh yes, please go ahead. Okay, so how do we know A is within? Because it goes between subjects within. Okay. So is it because A is B? Is there's B by A under it? Or? Uh, no, that's, that tells us that it's not nested, that A and B are crossed with each other. Oh. Okay. okay. But the fact that if we have a. Um, first I'll do this formally, then I'll do it conceptually. If we have subjects within B, that tells us where their subjects are. If we have an interaction term that says every level of A comes where the subjects are, that means every subject gets every level of A. Oh. That must be within factor. The other way to do it is say it's Yates order and it goes between subjects within. And once we have a first subjects term, there can't everything below it has to be a within factor or or Dave made the example up wrong. Right? So that's sort of two ways to look at it. Other questions? I find this easier to do going from here to here. Much easier. I always have. Because I can very quickly take a look and say, well, the A and the B are crossed. I know the levels of A. I can draw out A's and B's pretty easily. The hard part is finding what the subjects are, and this one tells you where they are. Right? That's not so bad, right? This will, this is, you know, I don't want the, 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 like the final exam. It'll be both, those types of things. Going both ways. Going both ways. Okay. okay. I gotta let the depth projector cool down before I heat it back up, so. So remember, a couple things to remember. Using the order, we can figure out the design. We can always figure out the error terms. And by the way, there's not going to be something else I add in. Oh, yeah, but then there's this. This is just done on the order. And this is something that Mike and I were talking about. Is possible to fix the random factor? I don't know. <laughs> I change my mind on this. Whenever I think about this class before I'm going to give this lecture, I think, eh, I think it's a random factor. And then next year, I think it's a fixed factor. It just depends on my mood. If I had bacon and waffles for breakfast, I think that's why I thought it was today. I figured it was random. It's the best explanation I have. So. 
Um, avoid these designs like the plague. Like the bubonic plague. Like the black death. Avoid these the way you would avoid any bad disease. Just because they're uncertain? Yeah, and they're, hard to, and they're hard to interpret. Like, okay, I'm finished now. I got this thing. Look, it says drugs within the hospital. It means your drugs within each hospital are different. Oh, good. So this is a crewmate thing. A lot of times it's a question, yeah. Yeah. Is there a time when these actually are good, aside from just reasons of practicality and not enough subjects? I can't think of one. Um, <coughs> like I said, you certainly could have put just analyzed drugs by themselves, but in that case, <coughs> excuse me, of course, all the drug effect is all going to go in the air terminal. And it might then get so big that we don't find significance. Probably we find significance, I don't know what the hell it means. That's a real issue. That's a real thing. Study it really, though. Okay, that's weird. Here? All right. Let's see if I can turn this back on. How many classes do we have left? I'm curious. It's like next week, the week after, is it six all told? One quiz. I think it's six all told. Yeah, six. Yeah, we need to do this. Let's start this I'm just trying to think if this makes sense. Oh, yeah, it's, it's seven slides. Hell yes. Dave, yes. I know this is probably dumb. I forget what the, the test column is. Oh, I'm just saying what that says is what uh, do you divide? I don't understand this What do you what do you divide your uh, mean squared error for? Or sorry, mean squared for a by? You divide by mean squared for say subjects within a. Okay. That's that's why it says test. That's that's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. One more. We will have one more topic on after this on analysis experience, and we will we will be done analysis experience. You're thinking that's something. <laughs> okay, we discussed procedures uh, for dealing with a nuisance variable. We talked about blocking, right? Uh, and we talked about repeated measures, which is really a special case of block. You can also use something called an analysis of covariance, which you will learn about in graduate school. Um, it's, I have to do it so theoretically, or so, so sort of intuitively that I'm not going to touch it. But all ANCOVA does is it statistically takes out variance and then does the analysis. So if you had age and you thought age was an important variable, but you didn't actually put people into age groups, you could just suck the variance out into age and then do the analysis. That's a totally doable thing. Nope, it's a, it's a regular analysis, but what you do is you take out the covariance. So you statistically control for something. You don't do it through design. <coughs> it's not ideal. It's better than things through design. But you can do it. We're not going to talk about ANCOVA. Uh, like I said, that's all you're going to know about ANCOVA. You can learn about it in, um, in grad school, if you go to grad school. Um, 
it's a pretty complicated procedure. But conceptually, that's all it was, is what I just explained. But to show you an output and stuff like that, I'd have to teach you a whole other level of statistics that I'm just not prepared to do. We have the time, and I don't have the energy. What if you have two nuisance variables? Crazy. Well, you could. Certainly could. Right? So the third variable, the independent variable, that's what you're interested in. And then you have two nuisance variables. Okay. Um, we had our example, remember it was the different teaching methods and that was what we were interested in, and then we had different levels of experience with, 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 with French. We could have something in there like oh, other grades, because you know your grades are going to predict how well you do in school, and that would be a nuisance variable as well. So we could have three levels of, of, of all three of those things. What you have to do now is sort of put these things together. So you put one nuisance variable in a row, like you usually would, because that's the way the design usually looks like, right? Blocks, and then independent variable. And the other one in columns, and I, I the, what, four exclamation points? Yeah, that's, you know, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I had to turn my head sideways because of the sleeping physics, you see, I mean, no, it was five. And I had to get closer to count them because I, I, I can't see. I'm blind. My son has autism, so you should all feel sorry for me. <laughs> I like just throwing that out there. I like doing it to people that have never heard me say it before to watch how uncomfortable it makes them feel. <laughs> it's a good experiment. People intro psych. Yeah. Okay. So this is all we're going to do. This is actually not very complicated. <coughs> and it also isn't that exciting. But your design looks like this. Well, that was neat. You like that entrance? I'm, see, I, I'm starting to just try to entertain myself at this point. So what we have here in these columns and rows are different levels of nuisance variables. Okay? That's what these are. And then, and I know this is a pain, it's just the way these things, it's the way the notation always works. The A, B's, C's, and D's are actually um, levels of an independent variable. They aren't separate variables. And I'm sorry that's the way it's always been done. I don't like it either. It should be done with something else. So there's only one independent variable, they're not four. A, B, C, D aren't different variables, they're different levels of an independent variable. So we have four levels of, of one nuisance variable for columns, four levels of another nuisance variable for rows, and then we have four levels of an independent variable. Okay, they just denoted like A1, A2. Yeah, it just never is. Is that weird? Yeah, and if you want to write it down like that, that makes sense to me, so you can do that. I'm just doing it the way it's typically done. It's annoying as hell. So again, A, B, C, and B are levels of a factor. They're not independent. Each level occurs in each ordinal position. Right? A is occurring in row 1 and in column 1. In row two and in column two, in row three and in column, it's occurring in each place. In, in first place, in second place, in third place, and in fourth place. Uh, by the way, unlike hierarchical designs, these are actually just fine. So each row and column has each level once. By the way, there are. This isn't the only way you can do this. 
you can do ABC here and then do CBAB there. Uh, technically, what you should do when you're setting one of these up, and I've, I've only ever used one of these, one of my honors thesis students once used one of these, uh, and we just did it like this. What you're, you really should do, you can find tables of Latin squares, and that, that's what this is called, a Latin square, and then you randomly select your, your square. It just seems like too much work. It not too much anymore. Uh, by the way, uh, it's called a Latin square because uh, it, it's, it's related to an old math kind of puzzle Romans used to do. It's kind of like Roman Sudoku. I, I don't know what the puzzle is or anything like that, but they used to do these math puzzles. Except there's all X's and I's and C's and L's and M's and such. Because they were Roman. So you need an equal number, to do this properly, an equal number of rows, columns, and independent variable levels. That's a big restriction, but if you have that, this is actually a pretty reasonable kind of design. Uh, the model actually looks like this. A score equals grand mean plus rows plus column effects plus the, the independent variable treatment effect plus error. So in this case, with this kind of design, alpha and beta are rows and columns. Gamma is the independent variable. Okay. And there's error. I'm curious why there's no interaction. Uh, because there's no way to measure it. Not everything is crossed with anything, right? That's why. There may be interactions, we just don't know if they exist. And that's actually a limitation on these designs, is that if there is really in the real world any interaction, it just makes error bigger. So you better look at other research and find out, are there interactions out there? But that's what the model looks like. So again, as, as Mike pointed out, no interactions. Rows plus columns plus treatment effect plus error. The analysis of variance is kind of interesting um, because you get rows, columns, and independent variables should all have the same number of degrees of freedom, and they do, and it's P minus 1. And P is the number of rows, columns, and independent variables. Levels of independent variables. It's all the same. In our case, it would be 4, right? Because we had a 4 by 4 square. So you would have 3 degrees of freedom for rows, 3 for columns, 3 for the independent variable, 6 for the residual. Okay, because it's P minus 1 times P minus 2, which actually does add up to N minus 1. We have 16 observations, right? 4 by 4 square. So we have 15 degrees of freedom, right? 3 and 3 is 6, and 3 is 9. Right? And 6 is 15. <coughs> so if you ever see a design, if I ever gave you one, I said, okay, what's the design look like for this? And I show you this. It says rows and columns. It's a Latin square. It's a Latin square. These are an interesting special case of, of, of design, basically, with it. Conclusions about these things, yeah, I said we give These are actually quite useful if you can meet their rather stringent assumptions, which is number of rows, columns, and uh, independent variable levels is the same, and there's no interactions. When would you use this thing? Because you think, well, this is stupid. Why wouldn't, well, it's going to be kind of hard to find if you want to block on two variables, which is what you're doing here. If you're going to block on two things, and you want to go four by four by four, you now have 4, 4, 16, 64 cells. 
And if you want, let's say, four people per group, you have 256 subjects. Oh, how about doing it with 16 people? Think about a five by five square. Well, my student, my student Jen had a six by six square. Okay? So she had um, 36 subjects. If we wanted six people per group, let's say, we'd have six times six is 36 times six, 72. 144, 288 times 6, about 1,300, 1,400 subjects. No, we couldn't test the whole school. So, yeah, 6 by 6 square made a lot of sense. 6 by 6 square was the way to go. It's the only time I ever used one, but it was, it's the only time it's ever been presented to me. It's like, oh, we should do a Latin square. Worked out just fine. So you've got remember, no interactions, an equal number of rows, columns, and independent variables. Uh, there are times to use these. They are perfectly acceptable. You just have to know that these things are true. That's easy to do. You can do that through design. No interactions. You just better be bloody well sure there aren't any interactions, because if there are, they're going to show up in that residual, which is what is the error term for everything. Uh, you don't test rows and columns. You deal with the interaction you're going to test is the uh, independent variable. You can even get to a case, you might think, can you ever go like three? Can you do a Latin cube? Uh, theoretically, I've read about things like that, but then it started to get silly. You can also do two different squares. Well, yeah, the cube one, you actually use rows and columns and then depth. And you indicate that using Greek letters. Um, and then you could do two cubes, uh, but they're like, you've got to start thinking of four-dimensional space, and then you do that with Hebrew letters. I, I don't know, I'm serious. I don't know why it's called a Udo-Greco-Latin square. I'm serious. These are the kind of things that end up as little bonus questions on graduate school stats exams. Devise a design where, you know, what? I don't know how to do that. But we've actually got a question like that in our heart. Or you can have, there's all kinds of crazy things. What about an incomplete Latin square? So four by three by four. But then it all, it doesn't, why would you? Oh, you want to see if I can play with, okay. Or my favorite question we had in grad school, which was, here's a formula. What do you think it tests? That was good. These are really cool, though. They really are useful. About once every three years, one of these psych artists, these students, uses a Latin square. It's, it's pretty uncommon, considering we got usually at least 15 people a year, pretty much. Try to keep it there. That's about one in 40, one in 45 people. But you'll see them, and there, there's nothing to be scared of. You shouldn't look at that and go, oh, I'm skeptical now. Because think about it, any interaction is going to make error bigger. That means that any effect you have is going to be harder to find. So. The hardest part really in other respects is keeping this in mind. Equal degrees of freedom. Oh, sorry, number of rows, columns, and the temper. Alright? Next time, we will talk about uh, what to do when you have the worst possible situation, which is when you are missing data. Alright? And then we'll start correlation and regression. Thanks, guys. Oh, thesis conference, Friday, 1230.
podcast is released under a Creative Commons copyright share like 2.5 Canada. Uh, feel free to redistribute the information as you see fit, but please don't make any money out of it. And if you do, you got to tell me because I'm reserving that right. Giving up all the other ones, including uh, mash it up any way you want, okay? Um, also, of course, give me attribution. If you want to get a hold of me, my email address is dave.broadbeck, B-R-O-D-B-E-C-K, at algomau.ca. My website is people.auc.ca slash broadbeck slash blog. Uh, most of the music, uh, all the music's pod safe, and most of it comes from garageband.com or the Podsafe Music Network. See you next time.